Well, good morning, everybody. How's it going? I get to hang out with the big kids today. Can finally feel my age for just a little bit. That's okay. Uh, just so if you guys are new here, um, we have all of our sermon notes on our Bible app. So on the U version, you can actually get all of our notes. So just go under events, find Evangel Pentecostal, and then bam, you'll see my slide there. So again, if you don't know who I am, if you still have no idea because you don't see me very often, my name's Ashley. I am the kids pastor here at Evangel, and I love my job. So thank you so much for having me, <laughs> for letting me be part of your family and being a part of your kids' lives. And if you're like, those are not my kids, yes, they are. We all belong to the family of God, so these are all yours too. So thank you so much for letting me uh, be a part of your kids' life. Um, today, well, there's a spoiler. Today, my message is called Unity, a battle worth fighting for. Unity is kind of a funny word. We've been in a series called Make It Count. And last week, Pastor Shannon talked about humility. Humility and unity are best friends, okay? So you can't have humility without unity and unity without humility. It just doesn't work. So if you've been following along in this series, uh, I hope that this will just help enhance our journey to being kingdom-minded and Jesus-centered community. So, but before we get started, we have to define the word unity. It's kind of a complex word, so let's break it down. Unity is a weird word, okay? What is unity? So, when I Googled it, because that's what my generation does when we don't know stuff, we Google it. So when I Googled what unity was, the best example and the most popular example was a husband and a wife light a candle together. When they light a candle at the same time. Yes, that is what came up the most, and that's one of the pictures up there. I think Hollywood has kind of done us a number when it comes to unity. When we think of a unified people or a community of unity or, or just the word itself, sometimes we think of uh, kind of a post-apocalyptic movie like Divergent or maybe Hunger Games or everyone's wearing the same bleak colors, very militant marching style, and everyone's following this one dictator. No one can have a difference of opinion, and if you step outside of that, you are, you're just no good. Other times we think of, and maybe some of you don't know this movie, but thanks to my dad, I do Pleasantville, where everything is pleasant, everything is nice, everything is just, everybody's happy, everyone holds hands and sings kumbaya. These, these are the kinds of things that come to mind when we think of people in unity. Unity sounds like a good idea, right? We all want to be unified, or we all want to be a team. But I don't think we've actually understood what biblical unity actually is, and why it's important for us as Christ followers to keep. Unity isn't something that comes naturally to us, believe it or not. And therefore, it needs to be fought for. So today's message is called Unity, the Battle Worth Fighting For. So again, the Bible verse that we're reading from mainly today is Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, and we're reading from the New Living Translation. So can we pray together this morning? I won't make you count down again. You guys do such a good job of that every week, <laughs> but we'll just bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you so much 
Lord, I thank you so much that from the very beginning you saw us. Lord, that you knew where each one of us would be and that, God, that you never stop fighting for us, that your eyes are always on us. God, would you help us today as we look away from our circumstances and keep our eyes fixed on you in the midst of it all. God, would you give us peace this morning? Would you help us learn more about you and your unity, God? You created it. God, help us understand. Lord, may my words just fall short, and may they be your words this morning. God, I pray, Lord, for these people, God, that could be here and can't. Jesus, would you just bless them, Lord? Would they know that you are with them and you are for them? God, we thank you for it all this morning. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Ephesians 4, here we go. So where does unity come from? Where does unity come from? That word, that concept? Well, it actually comes from the very beginning of the Bible, right at the very start, before we were even existed. We see in Genesis right before the creation of the world, the unity between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all equally God, and they were all equally part of creation. Unity is therefore part of the plan from the very start for us. We were designed from the intentional heart of God, and with that intentional heart and design is unity. We see the first instances of disunity introduced at the fall of man, when the relationship between humanity was fractured by man's disobedience. This also impacted the unity between Adam and Eve and man with himself. This was certainly not part of the plan. This unity happened in a trifold manner, and you see them there between God and man. Man disobeyed God. That's the first fracture. The second one between man and woman. It's the woman's fault, right? Left her out to dry. What a man. And between man, (laughs) not bitter, (laughs) between man and himself, okay, they felt shame. They took on shame, which was not part of who we were. That's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of disunity. It wasn't just a matter of man coming with flowers on Valentine's Day and saying, I'm sorry. Okay? It was a bigger deal than that. There was a lot of layers of disunity that happened because of the fall. I promise it's going to sound like I'm spoiling the whole sermon, but it's not, okay? <laughs> but then Jesus. Jesus came to earth as the very solution for all of these things reconciling all that has been fractured into a new, glorious, eternal hope. Being fully God and fully man, making an eternal covenant with all humanity for all time, overcoming death on a cross, something that only God can do. Being fully God and fully man, he is the only one that can reconcile everything unto him. This was the good news, all right? This is the good news that's been going around, the gospel message that's been spreading to all. Paul is seeing all these churches sprout up, people of faith taking on the responsibility and responding to the call of God to go and spread the gospel, and they're starting churches. 
But there were some major societal issues that, just like our present world, were bleeding into the church. It was coming from outside. Things, the philosophies and the ideas of the outside world were coming into the church. These issues weren't just newsworthy, okay? They were actual big enough issues that they affected the faith journey and formation of new believers. One of the biggest issues here in the letter of Ephesians that Paul is addressing was between two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jewish people were people who were born into a national identity. Now, some of you may know this already. If you don't, then here you go. If you do, pretend you don't. Okay? These were the people that were born into a national identity and religion as God's people. They received the promise from Abraham, from Moses, from David. They were doing a good job, then a bad job, a good job, then a bad job of following God. But they had some sort of lineage to the Exodus story. They could trace back who they belonged to, who their family tree was, all the way back to Abraham. And through exiles and many trials, they were hopefully awaiting their reinstatement and prominence as God's chosen nation once again. All right, These, this is what they've been waiting for. Then we have the Gentiles. These were people from all over the place, and they had no identifying lineage back to Abraham. Maybe they did, maybe there were some mixed marriages, but for the most part, Gentiles did not have this same history. The Gentiles and Jewish people alike were hearing about Jesus. But the Gentiles didn't observe Jewish traditions. Makes sense. They didn't observe feasts. They didn't observe circumcision. They weren't from the same lineage and understanding, school of thought. The Jewish people knew the Torah. They knew the scriptures. They knew all of these things. They had generations of preparation. But the Gentiles didn't. They were very much from a Greek Hellenistic influence. The Jewish people have been tirelessly fighting to keep their religious traditions and national identity alive under many trials during different reigns of kings, during different empires. We see that struggle all throughout Scripture. Ephesians is one of my favorite letters of all time. I, I love the book of Ephesians. And it's, and it's beautifully written because the flow of thought is where we're going today with unity. It starts by illuminating the salvation and the work of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, moves on into giving us a new identity in Christ. And from that, we have unity. And from that, we can withstand all the arrows of the enemy by putting on the full armor of God. But not only for us here in North America, we, we think our salvation is my salvation. Like my Jesus, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Paul is talking to an audience that understands that salvation wasn't just for the individual. It was actually for a community. The plan was bigger than just one person. It was a whole people. Not only did God save us as individuals, like I mentioned before, to bring humanity back together into unity by the Holy Spirit, Jew and Gentile, us and them, whatever that may be. 
they no longer had something just in common. It wasn't just everybody liked hanging out together now or we all thought the same thing. No, no, no. They were told that they were now one unit. You were one family with one God and one same spirit giving the gift of eternal life to all. They are one family now. Well, with that in mind, unity sounds a lot bigger than just lighting a candle at the same time, I think. So, an illustration here. When I think of unity, because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't reconcile the candle thing. It took me a while to get over it. I, I can't believe it's like the number one thing on Google. <laughs> when I think of unity, I was like, okay, I had to think of a good example of unity. It's family day weekend. I wish I could be like, my family's perfect. Here's how we do unity, but let's be, nobody's family's perfect. Surprise, Dad. Our family's not perfect. <laughs> so our families aren't perfect. I thought this would give a better illustration. Um, we work on it, okay? But <laughs> this would give a better illustration. When I think of unity and how it functionally works together, I think of this. My Oakville Edge synchronized skating team. Yes, this is Ashley Kenny, circa 2007. I'm like, middle left, all right? Even the way we look. Katie got in so much trouble by wearing blue that day. I remember it very clearly. Even the way we looked, right? We had to all have the same hair, same big blue makeup, same dress, thankfully not same skates yet. If you get into higher levels, you have to have the same skates. Some teams even make you dye your hair all the same color. That's quite nuts, all right? We all had, we all had to do things together. Synchronized skating team, you're on the ice with about 15 other girls at the same time, and you're all skating at the same time. It's quite awesome. A little scary, but it's quite awesome. So in order to be a unified unit, we had three-hour practices, one hour off ice, two hours on ice, five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> seven o'clock at night. My dad would drive all the way from Toronto to Acton to Oakville, back to Acton to drop me off home, and then back to Toronto. Didn't last very long. <laughs> he moved to Acton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. But this synchro team was quite awesome. You skate again with that many other girls on the ice. You kind of don't have a choice but to work together. The goal is to look like one unit, making patterns on the ice. Being pre-novice, so this is our pre-novice team, um, we weren't old enough to go to nationals, but we would have, all right? So we got second place overall. We were recognized by City of Oakville with our fancy little trophies and stuff like that. And we competed against teams from Ontario and Quebec. So mini nationals, if you would. But let me tell you, this was hard work. <laughs> if I didn't go back home personally and practice my twizzles, if I didn't go home and practice that footwork sequence, holding my head up high and my arms down low, it would show in practice and it would affect the whole team because you are literally connected to other people. If you mess up, you're going down. If they mess up, you're still going down. So you had to work together. I have the nicks in my skates and the tears in my dresses to prove it when we weren't working together. You were put many times 
with people who weren't as strong as skaters as you. Maybe they were younger. Maybe they didn't do the same tricks that you did. And you had to skate with them. I don't know if many of you have been skating with somebody who can't skate, and they're like, woo! And you're like, oh my gosh, you're going to bring me down with you, right? That's what we think. Let go. I can do it better by myself. But, and I remember coming home and telling my dad, dad, she skates so slow. <laughs> I am dragging her all over the ice. I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. I want to be with Sarah, who spins fa Sarah is this one down here. I want to be with Sarah. She has the gold skates, and she does the really cool tricks. Like, I want to skate with her. She skates fast. But no, I, I had to stay with the people I was put with. We are the same height. We had lots more other reasons for that. But I was put with someone who was a weaker skater than me by test, right? We get evaluated by test, just like school. By test, by age, by a lot of things. But unity happened for a couple of reasons. My dad told me later that you kept telling me each practice, she's getting better. Wow, she was skating really fast today. Wow, she was pulling me. <laughs> I remember the one practice, she was pushing me because she's skating in front of me. She's pushing me. She's getting better, she's getting faster. Unity happened on our team because it was a, deep, a result of a deep sense of purpose, of team, and of a love for one another that we felt. Unity happened because it was necessary. There was no way we would have had the success that we did and the successful season that we did if we, did, if we didn't, if we chose, if I decided, well, they're putting me with her, I'm not going. That would have messed up so many formations. They would have had to reblock everything. Like the whole routine would have been messed up if I decided I was too good to skate with someone that wasn't like me. Unity happened because it was work. We were like a family. And even though we are all different, like look at that picture. There's so many races represented. There's so many ages represented, households. We all lived in different communities. Not everyone was from Oakville. But we didn't get caught up when other teams were trying to trash talk us or make fun of us when we did silly little dances that I brought in to our team, of course. <laughs> we didn't get caught up with that kind of stuff because we were so focused on us as a family. Everyone felt a part of our family. Alicia, again, I'm sorry, I'm parking on this, but Alicia, she's down here. Alicia was the youngest member on our team. And she was kind of a new addition. We had someone drop out. And so she got moved up. All right, she got moved up. And she was scared. <laughs> she was like, whoa, you guys are doing tricks I never did. She was very quiet. But by the end, right, like you couldn't tell the difference. Her, she has a big smile on her face. She was a part of our team. The moment she stepped on the ice, she was a part of our team. So I'm going to let... Tessa and Scott talk about Twizzles, because who better to talk about Twizzles? Yes, Kathleen, just for you. Yes. <laughs> who better to talk about Twizzles? Because Twizzle, it just sounds like a this when you don't know. So Twizzle is actually very dangerous. So here we go. We're going to let them explain. All right. So those were our two-time gold medalists, one-time silver medalists, because they were robbed in the, in the Olympics. They were. <laughs> Olympic skating team, Tessa and Scott. So our synchro team, 
does ice dance. Ice dance is synchronized skating, but you do it with more than one person at a time. So imagine doing that with 15 other girls all at the same time, go. All right, so unity was so important. And as much as I was blaming that one skater for skating too slow when she was skating with me, I spun on the opposite foot of my entire team. My entire team spun on the left foot. I spin on my right foot. <laughs> I had to step it up. I had to learn how to do that on my other foot. It's very, it was very dangerous. <laughs> I had to learn how to do that on my other foot. I was different in that sense. But no one, not one person made me feel awful or made me feel different in a negative sense because I was different. What does all skating and twizzles have to do with unity. Well, I think for us, as a diverse body of the Capital C Church of God, we need to recognize the same things. We need to have a deep sense of purpose, knowing our identity in Christ as an individual, with a love for one another, and realize the necessity of unity in our families, to model to our children, and to be a witness to one another. Our love and unity should look different than just being a part of a team or being a good team player. It should radiate the love of Christ and overflow from a filled up heart. Sounds good, how do we do this? Like so, okay? So while I was driving, um, God gave me this picture in my mind, and for you that don't know me, I am a very visual person. So I was scrambling to find a napkin at a red light to draw this on. <laughs> I think we need to remember what's in the center. Whatever's in the center affects everything else. The first circle here says Jesus in the kingdom of God. The second one says capital C church. The third says family. The last says me. And again, it says the Jesus in the kingdom of God at the end. It's not a typo. If we start with ourselves in the center, okay, if we start with this ring, the pink ring, then you're going to hear things like, I can't do this anymore. I'm trying to keep it together and it's not working. What am I doing wrong? You're going to hear those things come out a lot more. When we value things or other, other rings above God, in place of God, or without God, we feel strain and emptiness and striving, like everything is out of control. We're trying to keep it together in our own strength if we start with the pink. If we start with our families, okay? Woo, go family, family day weekend. If we start with our family, the green one, we become the schedule keepers, the conductors of perfect schedules, routines, report cards. And let's face it, that one's pretty tiring on its own. Even just hearing it, I don't, I don't have kids in the school system, but even just hearing it, it, it's quite exhausting. I can only imagine. If we attend church, okay, we start with church, but never really hear the voice of God, we're just filling our schedules with good volunteerism, you just have the works. But without true, deep-rooted faith that can withstand the attacks of the enemy and the strains of life, if we put church first. 
But when the living Prince of Peace, when Jesus is at the center, we know there's victory. The things that overwhelm us, divide us and destroy us, are overcome by the blood of the Lamb and resurrection life. When our perspective is changed to that of Jesus first and last, Alpha and Omega, he has the last say in everything. Unity is a byproduct. We see the fruit of love, of joy, of resilience, and of strength. We never knew we had. Withstanding attacks from the enemy, harsh realities of life and our broken world. This is not another system to figure out, okay? This brings is not another system. But I hope it puts an image in your brain that unity comes from having a kingdom perspective. It's no coincidence in our verse that it says, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. God is the reference. God is the source. And God is the one that holds these all together. We have to keep fighting to keep God at the center of our lives. We can't be distracted from this task by any other circles and put those first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. God has given us great gifts by being a part of the body, of unifying us with something greater than just having something in common or somewhere we all hang out on Sunday. He's given us his very spirit to bind us together. We are a gift to each other. You can say that today. I'm your gift. <laughs> and we need to remember that this is the perspective that needs to remain in the forefront when it gets hard to love one another when it's easier to be angry and rage, I call it hulking out, got the vein going. When it's not fair, when we're trying to help someone but we feel less than qualified to do so, the unity that we desire for our families, for our lives, comes from a kingdom perspective that's centered on Jesus. It's humble and it's gentle. And like we said last week, it does nothing out of selfish ambition. Some of my points here today are this. Unity is not just a theme to be observed, but it requires us to actively participate in. Yes, you get a participation ribbon, okay? God never asked the Jewish people to be Gentiles. And he never asked the Gentiles to be Jews. This was not a requirement for his plan to work. You don't need to be someone else to achieve unity. Because of God's work through the Holy Spirit, we're bound together. That's huge. God put that together. No man can separate us. People are given that invitation to come into that and to remain in that. Because in verse 2 and 3, 
of our focus passage, there's so many verbs and action words. It requires us to actively participate in. It's not an option. Hebrews 12 says this, work at living in peace with one another and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after one another so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It calls being in peace with one another and unity with one another work. We have to first make the decision to do it God's way, to participate in it, then continue to work on it. God needs to be the center. And from our relationship with him, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak and lead our lives, it will yield fruits of unity and oneness in our relationships with God, with others, and with ourselves. Second point is that we're in this together. We are called to unity and to fight for unity. Paul uses language earlier on that you have been given citizenship into heaven. And I think now more than ever, with the climate of our world, when you're seeing issues that have arose in the last little bit about immigration. Maybe you yourselves are an immigrant. That language of becoming a citizen. You have been given the right to participate, to be an equal heir, to be a part of the kingdom of God. This is given to all of us. There's no age limit. Our young kids, our nursery kids, they're part of the kingdom of God are old and waiting to receive glory, <laughs> they are part of, part of that too. It is not restricted on age. It's not restricted on race. We look to governments and we look to systems to correct an issue that God was the one who made it. God was the one who made unity. God is unity. The very definition of the word unity and love is God. Having unity in the spirit allows us to be free and to live unified in all our diversity. We find beauty in the mosaic that is our family in Christ. Not seeing them as challenges to be feared, but a beauty to be embraced. Paul uses many examples of this in his other letters. For example, Corinthians. Maybe right away you thought of Corinthians and the body, the body working together. Are you an eye? Are you an a foot? That doesn't matter. We find beauty in it, that we're all different, that we all have something to offer the body. We are in this together. Later on in this letter, Paul goes to mention that whatever your gift is, it's used as an expression to spur one another on into good works, to keep going in the faith. There is no lone wolf Christianity. There is not. 
Your decision to follow Jesus is bigger than just yourself. My synchro team, for example, their achievements is a part of my story. But my story couldn't happen without them. How we made each other better skaters, our second place standing, all of that, that doesn't just belong to me. That belongs to us. Your story that you bring here is not just your story. Yes, you're living it. Yes, I am not you and you are not me. But if we've surrendered our stories to God, we've ultimately given God permission to use it, to bring others to the knowledge and life-changing relationship with Jesus, a part of his family. God's plan is bigger than just you and me, it's us. For me coming to faith, this was a huge thing. I'm so thankful for the people along my journey that really embraced me, a part of a body. I wasn't argued my way into a faith journey, into being a servant of Christ. I was brought into a family that said, yeah, that really sucks, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, I went through the same thing. Hey, listen, here's my story. Hey, listen, do you want to go out for coffee with me? Hey, listen, do you want to finish school early and get your nose pierced? I didn't, because I love my mom. (laughs) Hey, do you want to come hang out with me? Hey, do you want to come hear this music? I think you'd really like them. And guess what? The musicians are Christian, too. I wasn't bribed my way into it. They didn't say they were paying for my coffee. I paid for my own. (laughs) But I was brought into something that was bigger than me. When we come here to church, when we live our lives, our homes, God's given us so many visuals. Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your work desk. And you're like, why are so many people coming to my desk? I have things to do. I know my dad hates that. (laughs) He's an accountant. Don't interrupt me when I'm counting. But people, I watched, I witnessed, people would come and flock to his desk just to talk. He's like, why does everybody want to talk? I'm trying to work. (laughs) Got things to do. Then they send me emails saying things aren't done. (laughs) God is giving you a platform. He's giving you your desk at work. He's giving you your car with multiple seats or with that one seat that has that stain that you cover up before someone comes and sits down in it. God has given you the stick in your hand. He's given you all you need to be that extension, to do that. We look at unity as the goal, but it shouldn't be the goal. The word itself shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be our relationship with God because it'll just happen. When we are on our cruise, one of the people, um, one of our room butlers, somebody that was cleaning our room, he asked your dad a pastor? Whoa. I said, no, I am. (laughs) He's like, oh, (laughs) all right. I later, I was so encouraged by that, that that one person that witnessed us three days, already three days, had seen something in my dad that was so encouraging that he could pick it out. 
my dad was just living his best life, lobster red on the cruise, okay? But that's, that's it. And the rest of the week, you know, little bits here and there, okay, what do you do? It wasn't this big baptismal come to Jesus moment on the boat. It wasn't like that. It was very simple, but that was a platform. That was an opportunity that something radiated from my dad's person that resembled Jesus a little bit. That's it. You don't have to do these big gimmicks. And the hardest thing is when it's at home. (laughs) When it's our home. Family Day weekend, I know it brings a lot of pressure well, what are you doing, Family Day weekend? What are you going to do? And you're like, this is the weekend everybody's fighting <laughs> because we're all at home because it's been snowy, because busy schedules, because reading break's coming up. We get into these mindsets here that there's a lot going on. We don't look like Jesus right now. <laughs> but all that to say, my last point here, and this is going to be short, We need God's help. Unity isn't easy. If it was God who joined us together, we need God's help to keep us together. Colossians 1, 17 to 20 says this. Oh, it's so small. I'm sorry. I'll read it very loud. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all, who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. No one is perfect. No one's family is perfect. No one's system is perfect. And no one stands up here or comes to this church perfect. But we all try to be a bit more like Jesus, keeping him at the front. No one is too good for God's help I love that we sing, God, I look to you. That should be our heart cry of every second. When we're in the car, when we're arguing, when we disagree, when we see something on the news that really strikes our heart, God, I look to you. We all need God's help. And the battle for unity is an important one. Now more than ever, when everybody's life is on display, when there's not one thing that goes unmissed. The battle for unity begins in our prayer closets and in the throne room with God. He is the center, and it's up, and it's from him unity comes. I'm going to call the worship team back. So I don't know what that looks like for you. I wish I had a 10-step Unity builders for families. 
but I don't. My family's working on it too. We're working on being honest when it hurts. We're working on saying I love you. We're working on being there for one another when it counts and when it hurts. We're working on forgiving. We're working on stepping up. We're working on it. We're working on seeing each other through the eyes of God and saying, wow, that is someone that's loved by God. So maybe it's an everyday choice to put God first and to choose unity. When you're justified in all your rage, when you're justified in what you're trying to accomplish in your workplace, in your homes, in your church, unity really, it isn't easy but it requires action if we want it. It requires those tough phone calls and conversations as we listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to run to the one that is the very definition of unity because the moment we do, it becomes a lot easier. (laughs) Wow, God, you gave up everything for me. Wow, God, you fight for me every day. Wow, God, you pursue me. I'm going to do that too with the people you love. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes multiple tries and just not giving up. Sometimes change takes time. We sang that along. Sometimes miracles take time. But all the time we need God's help to change the things we can't, to bring about understanding and wisdom and unity. God never leaves or forsakes us and he is with you to the end. The battle and the victory belong to the Lord, all of them. So in a moment, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up as well. And if you wish to receive prayer today, maybe it's just that, saying, I need someone to stand with me. I need to feel a part of family. Please come. Please come today. We are a family who prays in this, in this place. And there's no judgment anywhere. Let's be a people with kingdom perspective and participate in the battle of unity. So would you stand with me today as we close and we pray. And this family day weekend, know that you have a family here. You have a family here, and you have a place here, even if someone stole your seat this morning. You have a place here. You are loved by God in the kingdom. You have a place there too, but here, right now, the kingdom is here. This is kingdom. When we worship together, I, and the presence of God is here. It's just a glimpse of heaven, and I always get so overwhelmed and blessed to be a part of some, this. And I'm so thankful that you guys have been doing such a good job at bringing me into your family in little ways. So let's keep going. Let's bring more people into the family of God. You are Christ's hand extended. You are that torch runner. You are that forger for your family, blazing new paths and trails. It doesn't have to be the way it always was. Today is a new day. There are new mercies every day. It doesn't always have to be this way. Whatever your this is. Keep going in faith. Keep looking to God. 
Because we need him. Unity doesn't just happen, but it's already happened at the same time. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that binds us together, that Jesus, you have overcome every single obstacle that we see, God. You are the Prince of Peace. You stand with us in the fire. You go before us. You prepare a table in front of our enemies. God, help us as we may be feeling weary this morning, carrying the torch and the burdens of maybe not even our own families, but others that we see hurting. God, would you, Lord, be so quick to listen that, God, that we'd continue to lay it before your feet, know that we can't do this in our own strength, but it's by your spirit and it's by your power These things that can happen, Lord, I pray that they would be for your glory, that you would make it count, that, God, each moment that we stand in a trial, God, that we would look to you. God, I thank you so much for this body here today, and I pray as they go that, Lord, that you would go with them, God, that you would speak to them and they would have ears to hear you and your promptings. that they would know that everything they do is re reflects on kids, that shapes the next generation. God, help us to be generation shapers for your kingdom. God, we thank you so much for today, for your word, that you are before all things and you hold us together. And there's not a moment that you don't see us or love us. So God, be with us today. Help us be there for others. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you are our strength.